friends, and welcome to another Cup of Joe podcast on this Tuesday, February the 8th. And wherever you are, whenever you are listening to this, I wish you God's life and God's goodness and God's grace today. May you be wrapped and enveloped in God's goodness, my friends. Thanks for uh, being present to break open God's word with me here today. And once again, we are going to break open the, the gospel for the day. We are moving sequentially through Mark. We are almost halfway through Mark's gospel. Mark has 16 chapters, and uh, we are entering chapter 7. Now, I suspect we'll get up to about, and I haven't looked, but I, I suspect we'll get to about through chapter 13, and then we'll jump to another gospel uh, because we won't do the, uh, the Passion reading uh, or any of the resurrection readings. Uh, they'll save those for the uh, Lenten and Easter seasons. But, um, but anyway, we're going to move. We are, as we are in ordinary time, we are moving through the ordinary, if I can put that in, you know, uh, quotation marks, the ordinary life and mission and ministry of Jesus, which, of course, is our ordinary life and mission and ministry as well. So uh, for those following along, we are going to go Mark chapter 7, verses 1 to 13, a little bit longer reading today. So let's uh, break open God's word together. A reading from the Holy Gospel according to Mark. When the Pharisees, with some scribes who had come from Jerusalem, gathered around Jesus, they observed that some of his disciples ate their meals with unclean, that is, unwashed hands. For the Pharisees, and in fact all Jews, do not eat without carefully washing their hands keeping the tradition of the elders. And on coming from the marketplace, they do not eat without purifying themselves. And there are many other things that they have traditionally observed, the purification of cups and jugs and kettles and beds. So the Pharisees and scribes question Jesus. Why do your disciples not follow the tradition of the elders, but instead eat a meal with unclean hands? Jesus responded, Well did Isaiah prophesy about you hypocrites. As it is written, This people honors me with their lips, but their hearts are far from me. In vain do they worship me, teaching as doctrines human precepts. You disregard God's commandment, but cling to human tradition. He went on to say, How well you have set aside the commandment of God in order to uphold your tradition. For Moses said, Honor your father and your mother, and whoever curses father or mother shall die. Yet you say, If someone says to father or mother, Any support you might have had from me is korban, meaning is dedicated to God, you allow him to do nothing more for his father and mother. You nullify the word of God in favor of your tradition that you have handed on, and you do many such things. My friends, the gospel of the Lord. Praise to you, Lord Jesus Christ. So today, brothers and sisters, with the time remaining, I want to talk about tradition. Now, When I say I want to talk about tradition, I do not want to speak about tradition with a capital T. People may be saying, Joe, I'm not sure I understand what you mean there. The 
two pillars of our Catholic faith, my friends, are scripture and tradition. Uh, and when we say that, we mean, of course, scripture, well, like we're, we're just reading, the, uh, the revelation of God through the word of God. And tradition, we don't just mean our traditions. We mean the understanding of who Jesus was in dogma. So when we um, profess the, whether it be the Nicene Creed or the Apostles' Creed, and we say we believe in one God, Father Almighty, that's not going to change. That's not a tradition, lowercase t, that the Pope could wake up tomorrow and, and change. That is tradition with a capital T, that God is one, uh, and that it is Trinitarian. That is not going to change tomorrow. And that Jesus was fully human and fully God, and that we believe in the, the uh, forgiveness of sins. That's not going to change tomorrow and say, oh, you know, God may not forgive sins. Or, or uh, the, the, the coming of the Spirit, or, or, I mean, those are tradition with a capital T. Those are the truths upon which our faith rests. None of what I just said will ever change. That is tradition. That's the lived tradition of the church passed on uh, from our um, forefathers and foremothers. That will never change. However, traditions with a lowercase t can and, and can be changed and will be changed depending on how they convey the meaning toward which they're pointing. And sometimes in some cultures, in some moments, in some ages, it does better than other times, okay? And, and so that's what we're going to talk about today is tradition with a lowercase t. And I'm going to talk about it from two different angles, um, okay? And, and both are, there's, there's nothing wrong, by the way, my friends. I want to state that clearly. There is nothing wrong with tradition, lowercase t. You know, those of you who are married or are going to be married, well, you talk about the traditions that you each come into, you know, into that marriage with from your own families and begin having conversations about what you're going to do in your new family, which traditions you're going to carry from both, because those uh, carry a depth within them. They, they, because they carry something about that family. And, and our traditions in our church are no different. They tell something about who we are and what we believe. But part number one about tradition, and again, this is opposite sides of the same coin, but uh, traditions can be, I mean, I mean, they're wonderful. They're a blessing and a curse. We've, the blessing, I think, is, is, is clear. It carries that depth. It carries that, the, the symbol. It carries, you know... Um, uh, something that binds us. But the, the curse can be the tradition um, is, 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 we forget, here, let me say it this way, we forget what the tradition points to. Let me use an example. Now, this is a story I did not make up. I don't know if it's real or apocryphal, but there was a town in Europe where every time somebody passed by a wall in this certain town, they would bow to the wall. They would nod their head. I mean, not stop and do a full bow, but they would nod their head to this wall and keep walking. Well, you know, somebody came into the town and, and finally talked to somebody else and said, I don't understand it. Why, why do you guys all bow to this wall? And, and they said, well, it's something our 
parents did and their parents did. It's, it's a tradition. It's what we do. And uh, later on, I don't know how much later on, again, they, they were, were doing some reconstruction within that town and they took down parts of that wall and they realized within there that there was a sacred painting that had been covered up with paint or with brick or with stone or whatever it was, uh, plaster, and it had been, uh, it had been uh, forgotten. But what was remembered was the action that when that sacred picture was exposed, the, the generations that were there were bowing to it out of respect for that sacred picture and what it, it pointed to and what it, what it meant to them. But when it got covered up, people just held the actions and, and it didn't point toward anything. The actions were in and of themselves dead. They meant nothing. That's what tradition can be. Brothers and sisters, very easily. Now, again, that doesn't mean what it has to be, but I'm saying it's the danger of what it can be, is that we end up putting the tradition as uh, the end goal, that this symbol, I mean, even a symbol as good as dipping my hand in the baptismal font and doing a sign of the cross. It's a wonderful, wonderful tradition. I love it. It's one of my favorite things in the world but we can forget what it means if we, in dipping our hand in there and, and doing the sign of the cross, don't remember that it points toward our baptism. And ultimately, don't remember that our baptism points to the fact that we are immersed in Christ and we have died and, and we live no longer I, but Christ lives in us. That that's what that means, that I'm covered, you know, Father, Son, and Holy Spirit in uh, all of me is covered in Christ and I no longer live. That it's not just something, oh, you know, we do as Catholics and, and therefore it sets us apart from the Protestants across the street or other people, you know. Who, who cares about that? Let's talk about what it really points to. And, and again, that's where we can, well, I guess I'm, what I'm saying is traditions can, when they just become about them, we don't need to put our heart and our spirit and our soul and our mind and our very being into it. It just becomes a ritual or routine. And that's what Jesus is giving them the dickens about here today, right? He's like, he's calling the people hypocrites because they, they just, your people honor me with their lips, but their hearts are far from me. In vain do they worship me, teaching his doctrines, human precepts. You know, that idea that the tradition itself becomes the end goal and not what it points to. Traditions always point to something beyond. Even when they bowed to that picture in the story, it didn't mean the picture was what was worshipped. It was pointing to the image beyond. When we bow to the altar or genuflect to the uh, uh, tabernacle is probably not a, a good example because we genuflect to the Christ that's there. But when we bow to the altar, that symbol that is Christ in the center of our churches, I mean, that is... It's not just bowing because, oh, you know, that's what I saw my dad do or, or whatever. We bow out of uh, humility. We bow out of respect. And now, again, there's no judgment in here. I'm not trying to, to bring that at all. You know, because there are times when we're tired, we all go through this. But I think it's just a reminder that we need to be active in, in, our, in our interior life to make sure we don't fall into that, that part, that, that danger zone, that trap of tradition 
okay? Doesn't mean traditions are bad. I want to say that again. It just means that's a trap that they can hold that we can fall into. Part number two is, uh, is again, real similar, uh, but about traditions saying that we need to be confined within them. And I want to start with a little bit of the reading from the first reading. Now, it's when Solomon had just built the temple. Okay, so David, uh, King David, uh, you know, of course, had a son Solomon. David passes on and Solomon takes the the throne and and Solomon builds this temple, gorgeous temple in Jerusalem. And, uh, And here's what he's saying now. He says this, Can it indeed be that God dwells on earth? If the heavens and the highest heavens cannot contain you, how much less this temple which I have built? And again, I love where he's pointing here because he's saying, listen, if God cannot be contained in all of the universe, how on earth can I contain you, God, in this great temple? I would say the same thing, brothers and sisters, for our traditions. If God cannot be contained in all the universe, how on earth, Lord, can you be contained within our traditions, uh, lowercase t. He cannot be. God cannot be. God is always bigger. He's always bigger than those. And that, again, is the battle that's going on here with Jesus and his disciples versus the scribes and the Pharisees. Jesus is trying to get to the matter of the heart, and he's, and he's trying to move beyond that and maybe even set up a new tradition, um, maybe not in this instance, but, but certainly in some. Uh, and, uh, and again, I would point that to the modern day that says there are traditions, brothers and sisters, that are, are wonderful. And I don't think we need to get rid of anything. But I think they all, we always need to test them against are they continuing to point effectively beyond themselves to the God that is bigger than the universe? And are there ways that we can and should and need to be setting up new traditions that do a better job or a more effective job of pointing at what those older traditions were pointing to but no longer are doing the job? The tradition is not our end goal. If that's all it is, brothers and sisters, we can check our heart out at the, uh, at the entry point and pick it up on our way back out. You know, when we come into church, let's check out our, our heart and we'll pick it back up when, when we're leaving. It's an engagement with God. And if the old ways of engaging that used to work for a generation before us or three or 20, if they do not work anymore, Listen, that doesn't mean it was a bad tradition. We praise and thank God that it worked for so long and and worked for so many. But in this day and age, how do we uh, wrestle with what we understand, who we understand, how we understand God to be? And what traditions, what ways can we speak about that, act about that, set up around that, that points effectively as, as a, a, a signpost, because that's all traditions are, a signpost to who God is and what God is and how God is and, and have that make sense in our life. We do not need to be threatened by those things. And, we, and we, we cannot and should not be threatened by those things. 
Maybe some of these new traditions don't effectively point to God for us, but that doesn't mean that they cannot be and, and will not be signposts for others. Because let's not end the conversation on traditions. That would be terribly short. Let's end the conversation when we're talking about what those traditions point to and the God that we understand. Tradition is a great gift to us, my friends, these traditions. But there are traps along the way, and we have to remember to avoid those uh, as we move toward and beyond where those traditions point. Let's pray. We uh, continue, as we do all things, in the name of the Father, Son, and Holy Spirit, amen. The second glorious mystery Jesus ascends. Our Father who art in heaven, hallowed be thy name. Thy kingdom come, thy will be done on earth as it is in heaven. Give us this day our daily bread and forgive us our trespasses as we forgive those who trespass against us. And lead us not into temptation, but deliver us from evil. Hail Mary, full of grace, the Lord is with thee. Blessed art thou among women. Blessed is the fruit of thy womb, Jesus. Holy Mary, Mother of God, pray for us sinners, now and at the hour of our death. Amen. Hail Mary, full of grace, the Lord is with thee. Blessed art thou among women. Blessed is the fruit of thy womb, Jesus. Holy Mary, Mother of God, pray for us sinners, now and at the hour of our death. Amen. Hail Mary, full of grace, the Lord is with thee. Blessed art thou among women. Blessed is the fruit of thy womb, Jesus. Holy Mary, Mother of God, pray for us sinners, now and at the hour of our death. Amen. Hail Mary, full of grace, the Lord is with thee. Blessed art thou among women. Blessed is the fruit of thy womb, Jesus. Holy Mary, Mother of God, pray for us sinners, now and at the hour of our death. Amen. Hail Mary, full of grace, the Lord is with thee. Blessed art thou among women. Blessed is the fruit of thy womb, Jesus. Holy Mary, Mother of God, pray for us sinners, now and at the hour of our death. Amen. Hail Mary, full of grace, the Lord is with thee. Blessed art thou among women. Blessed is the fruit of thy womb, Jesus. Holy Mary, Mother of God, pray for us sinners now and at the hour of our death. Amen. Hail Mary, full of grace, the Lord is with thee. Blessed art thou among women. Blessed is the fruit of thy womb, Jesus. Holy Mary, Mother of God, pray for us sinners, now and at the hour of our death. Amen. Hail Mary, full of grace, the Lord is with thee. Blessed art thou among women. Blessed is the fruit of thy womb, Jesus. Holy Mary, Mother of God, pray for us sinners, now and at the hour of our death. Amen. Hail Mary, full of grace, the Lord is with thee. Blessed art thou among women. Blessed is the fruit of thy womb, Jesus. Holy Mary, Mother of God, pray for us sinners, now and at the hour of our death. Amen. Hail Mary, full of grace, the Lord is with thee. Blessed art thou among women. Blessed is the fruit of thy womb, Jesus. Holy Mary, Mother of God, pray for us sinners, now and at the hour of our death. Amen. Glory be to the Father, and to the Son, and to the Holy Spirit as it was in the beginning, is now, and ever shall be, world without end. Amen. O oh, my Jesus, forgive us our sins, save us from the fires of hell, lead all souls to heaven, especially those in most need of thy mercy. In the name of the Father, Son, and Holy Spirit, amen. My friends, bless you on this Tuesday and beyond. I hope your day is filled with every good thing. God's peace.